Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Um, Zolly here, DJ Pi here. We forgot to record this before Tron left, but we felt like we kind of owed it to you guys for a bit of an intro into the podcast you're about to hear uh, with Dustin Johnson. DJ, what's the main what's the main message we want to get across? Uh, the main, man, I don't know. My head was kind of spinning a little bit for the the day after we did this podcast. I think uh, first of all, I don't think I've ever met anybody. Uh, as comfortable in their own skin as Dustin. I think a lot of that I always thought was kind of a cliche with, you know, people talking about, oh, he doesn't get rattled by things. He doesn't get nervous. He doesn't do this. And, um, you know, I always, I always thought that was kind of a throwaway line, but just watching him for whatever we want, you know, eight, 10 hours we spent with him. Um, I think it's completely true that he just is on his own wavelength. He does whatever he wants to do and he kind of, uh, you know, does it whenever he wants to do it. Um, I think that really kind of shines through. And um, I think that even goes so far into, you know, how and when he kind of does interviews. I mean, if you ask him a question that, you know, he's not going to fake his way through it. He's not going to give you, you know, a lot of tour players, bless their hearts, will give you a cliche answer about, you know, they'll help you through. They'll, they'll really help you through a shitty question. And he will not do that. If you ask him something, you know, how much does this mean? He's going to, you know, I don't know. How do you, how do you want me to answer that question? When he could go into, you know, it means the world. Yeah. He just doesn't waste time. And I think Tron said something, uh, maybe on Twitter or in person that he's just incredibly efficient with what he pays attention to and what his he, energy what he gives his energy to yeah. um which is kind of uh i don't know kind of inspiring right he, he doesn't waste a lot of time with stuff he doesn't want to be doing the main reason we wanted to kind of record this intro was that there's so much that comes a, that you we gathered come like recording this in person from his body language that is not going to come through in the tape so you know there's a question several times i ask him questions that he gave me that reaction where it's just <laughs> no dude like what yeah. no like yeah, this doesn't not, make sense what do you want me to do what right. do you want me to say so he kind of yeah. shrugs his shoulders and like looks you in the eye as he does it and doesn't seem disinterested but he's like i i'm i really have an answer for this question it's not yeah it's not a big timing no. thing that he's doing it's just he you know he just legitimately he's like i don't you know i don't know how you want me to answer that question right. so i'm not going to pretend to try i do i could tell you i do want you to answer it with the microphone in front of your face Dustin, <laughs> which he is my not the lie. face awareness of his microphone is not good he kind of he talks with his hands a lot so you kind of get a lot of <laughs> You get a lot of this going on where it's kind of, you don't know if really the mic is in front of his mouth or if you're going to be able to pick up what he's saying. At one point, we we're pretty sure he turned his mic off. I think off. he just straight up turned it off. Yeah, it didn't yeah. say anything. Yeah. And so, but, so there's a lot of editing of this. Just bear with us on the audio quality. I think we're, we're, we got it to a place that we're, we're, we're satisfied with, but you can only do so much when the raw, when he's just throwing the mic all yeah. over the place. Um, also wanted to also introduce at some point in the later half, the last half, uh, his coach, his his former college coach, Alan Terrell, comes on to join, who uh, is also a part of Dustin's foundation and was there uh, to open the new golf school there in Myrtle Beach that we were there with, and we thought it'd be great to bring him in to tell some stories on Dustin, and help give some perspective, and which I think is interesting because a lot of times I think Dustin is not a big, uh, he doesn't really like talking about himself all that right. much. He was, I did find him to be incredibly confident and incredibly humble on a lot of. On a lot of the stuff weirdly yes yeah and uh so it was cool to have alan there to kind of you know heat check right. a little bit of the the stuff that was going on now there's there's and not to get i don't know i don't know we got pretty captivated i think not just not all necessarily all positive things but just kind of really intrigued by 
the way this guy goes about his business. And yeah, that's the thing that's so interesting. I, I, again, I think I'm borrowing from Tron here that he was, um, what Tron said is, you know, he's basically just the way he approaches the game is incredibly simple, but it's not easy. And I think what he means by that, or what Tron means by that is kind of, you know, he's able to block out all the stuff that ruins that doesn't uh, that matter. ruins no. golfers games, including my own. I mean, it's th- I think about what I think about on the golf course and, if I could block that stuff out, I would be such a better player. And I don't think it's, you know, it, it has nothing to do with, you know, how smart he is or anything like that. It's just, it's being able to just focus on what's important and focus on what he gives his energy to is obviously what makes him such an effective player, I right. think. All right. Without further ado, let's roll it. Uh, here is the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson on the No Laying Up podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Lang Up podcast, coming to you live from TPC Myrtle Beach here. We got Tron and DJ Pie on the ones and twos, welcoming in another DJ, the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson. Uh, we're going to start with the toughest question, DJ. How was Verlander's birthday party last night? It was good. It was good. <laughs> we had, uh, they had it at a, at a car museum, so it was, uh, was kind of cool. Um, a lot of old cars, but yeah, we had a good time. Where was it? Like where? It's down in West Palm. Okay. They they got spring training right now, so um, uh, you know all the all the baseball guys are in town, and so yeah, we had a we had it was a good night. When was the last time you paid for golf? Last time I paid. He's <laughs> like, I'm paying for this tournament, right? Now. <laughs> Does that count? No. Last time you paid a greens fee to play golf? Um, I I can't remember. At least ten years. Yeah, it's been more than 10 years. <laughs> for sure. That's usually the answer we get. Yeah. Uh, have you ever done a podcast before, or is this your first? Um, I'm sure I've done one somewhere <laughs> along the lines. Uh, we, we, we find it interesting, we think, like especially for like being a number one player in the world, not a lot of people know about like your upbringing in golf. So like, how would you describe what your upbringing in golf was like? Um, well, I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, my dad... When I was when I was little, my dad was a club pro, and so that's kind of how I got introduced to the game. And you know, growing up, I played I played all sports. So I played basketball, baseball, soccer, golf, um, just whatever season. You know, it was I kind of that's what kind of sport I played. So you know, and then and then the summer I'd go to work with my dad and you know play golf. And I think it was about seventh grade is when I just switched to golf and so and it was just a sport I you know I fell in love with it you know from the first time I played it and you know it was a sport that I I liked more than than the rest just because the fact that it's just you and the golf course and so you know you don't rely on anyone else um you can't blame anyone else if if you don't play well it's all it's your fault so um you know that was just you know something that i loved about the game it was just you know you controlled your destiny and you know like i said you can't you can't blame anyone for anyone else there's no no excuses when did you know that you were like an exceptional talent or that you were great at it um i always I always thought that i was good i guess even you know as a young kid i was probably cocky and you know thought i was good and you know but I really probably didn't believe until like my sophomore year in college is when I really like that's when I 
you know, believe that, you know, I, I'm very good and I, I can, you know, make, make it to the next level. And, yeah, it would have been the end of my sophomore year when I won uh, the East Regional at Golf Club of Tennessee. Uh, so that would that would be when I really, like, actually believed that I could make it to the tour. Did you – I mean, do you ever sit and think now that, like, there's 60 million people in the world that play golf and you're, like, literally the best at it? Does that, like, <laughs> blow your mind? <laughs> like, <laughs> Actually, I've never thought about it like that. But, um, do you feel like the best player in the world when you play now? Sometimes, sometimes I don't just, you know, but that's golf. I mean, you know, as every golfer knows, one day you go out and you can play unbelievable. And then the next day you go out and you, you know, you like for me, I feel like, you know, one day I feel like I'm the best player in the world. And then the next day I feel like I'm a 10 handicap. It's just, you, you know, it's golf. It's frustrating. It's, but it's why I love the game it's just you never know what you're going to get every day I think it's it's interesting you know you, you talked about your sophomore year of high school being kind of the when you flip the switch it's college, or it's college 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 what you know when you're in middle school high school I and mean, what did you kind of it's cliche what did you want to be when you grow up if it wasn't golf it was always a golfer it was um you know growing up when I was young I, kn I knew you know from a very young age that um, you know, probably in seventh grade, that was when I, you know, just went with golf and, you know, I knew that I was going to do something in the game of golf, whether it was work at a golf course, work on the maintenance crew. I, you know, I didn't know what it would be, but I knew I was going to do something with golf. It was just, you know, I loved it and I wanted to play. I liked being outside and I knew I wasn't going to work in an office. So I would, I would have done whatever it took to, you know, just to be around the golf course. And, and I did growing up, I, I had every job you can think of at a golf course. Um, you know, I did every, every single job at a golf course. I what did. was your favorite one? Um, uh, cart boy was, I, I liked being the cart boy. It was fine. That's a rite okay. of passage for everybody. You gotta yeah. do it. Everybody's gotta it. do it. Well, yeah. I, shit, I worked on the maintenance crew. <laughs> I, I cooked. Picked the range. I did. Yeah. I've what was your specialty all. in the kitchen? breakfast uh, i cook breakfast what do you, what's your specialty for breakfast what, what, whatever someone ordered <laughs> you got something you're best at do you have like your own eggs recipe or something i was like pretty that? good at like a bacon egg and cheese sandwich yeah i could make a killer kind of go for one of those right now yeah sounds pretty good. it does sound pretty good <laughs> i heard uh just a, like a lot of stories you know from that kind of time in your life you going out and kind of playing against older members and betting and that kind of stuff i mean do you do you remember much from those days yeah, and what, what kind of sticks sure. out i mean that's kind of how i learned to play is you know is you know playing at the club playing in the dog fights uh you know going out you know with five bucks in my pocket and having a lot of bets and you better play good um you know i mean it was just one of those things it was you know it kind of puts pressure on you so you kind of learn how to you know deal with it and you know if i didn't play well wasn't gonna be good i don't know what i would have done but fortunately i played well most of the time so how many shots would you have to give members <laughs> no shots no shots um we always, you know, the way we played, we just, yeah, we had, you know. you. So that's why you won a lot. Play teams. Okay. No, no, we would be teams. There was really good players at where I grew up. There was actually a lot of good players. So, but they were they were very good at that golf course. Makes sense. Um, Games didn't travel all that much. They played at that course. Yeah. Um, it's funny, though. You get, you know, guys who, you know, grow up playing at one golf course, and that's all they play. And they become really good players at that course. Um, That's how I would describe my game. <laughs> yeah. Really good at your home course. Yeah. 
How many strokes would you have to give us like a scratch player now for it to be like a competitive game? Do you think? Um, none. <laughs> <laughs> you don't give any strokes. It depends. I mean, yeah, we play. I play a lot with you know the guys at the club, and I usually give them. You know, whatever their handicap is, I'll usually give them maybe like four more than their handicap. It's pretty stingy. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. tough. <laughs> we put one on a web yeah. tour, guys, and they give us six yeah. off of our handicap, yeah. too. You're also playing with, like, sandbagger Michael Jordan, though, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Jordan's actually – he's really fair. Is it a vanity handicap, or is it? Is it like – is he really – he's like a two. Is he really like a two, or is he – does he round uh, no, he's down? No, he's scores? a good player. Okay. He can He can play. I mean, he's, you know, he's like, I would say he would be a, yeah, two would be about right. Luke List one time described him to me as he's like a six until you get to 14th or 15th hole. And there's and then he's a scratch. And then he's yeah, like a plus two. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. That's I could see about that. right. What, uh, what games do you guys play when you're at home? That's what I'm always curious about. It's like, you know, what, what gets you guys going and what kind of action do you guys have going? Um, We play for a. Usually a cocktail or or two. Um, no, I mean we. It doesn't matter if I'm playing for a dollar or a million, like we do on tour. It, you know, I still want to win just as bad. With the format, like, what do you? But you what, guys play Vegas or Wolf or like you just play straight up? We just play usually closeout matches. Okay. Most of the time, every now and again we'll play. You know, we'll play nine point or. Uh, yeah, I mean Wolf. It just depends. And who do you usually play with? Who are the your, your most frequent partners? Totally depends. It yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, if Whoever I was, wants to win. <laughs> uh, if I was to ask you where you think you rank on the career earnings list and how much money you've earned, what would you what would you estimate? Or do you know well, this information? I, well, it's funny you ask that. My manager actually told me uh, like a couple weeks ago that I think I'm fifth. Mm-hmm. So that's the only reason I know. He told me. <laughs> how much? And I don't know how much it is. But what's your What's your guess? I have no idea. It's fifty point three million. Does that okay. sound about right? Yeah, I don't know where it all went, but <laughs> sure. You know, you know what I'm most curious about is I have like an app on my phone where I am checking my bank account constantly. Do you ever just log in and just see all the zeros in there, or how does that work? No. <laughs> But I, because I don't want to see the bills, I don't want to see the money going. I don't want to see any of it because I'd get frustrated. A guy that we work with called Big Randy, he wrote this. He did this study, like analyzing how much money Tiger has put into the pockets of other people on tour, just in general. If you were to estimate, if Tiger Woods never existed versus the current, the real existence, how much money Tiger has made you in your career? Oh, for no. If, the game of golf wouldn't be the same without Tiger. Absolutely, um, he's definitely made me a lot of money, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he really did put the game of golf on the map. I mean, and you know, it, he made it a cool sport to play. You know, even when I was in high school, which wasn't that long ago. I mean, what, 15 years ago or something? I was in high school. You know, it's still golf then was just I was right when Tiger you know started playing so but even when I was in high school it's still considered kind of a dorky sport you know now golf is actually considered you know it's a it's a cool sport to play and 
you know er, it seems like all the other athletes are playing it everyone likes you know golf so it's become cool and that's because of tiger yeah were you um what was your high school like in that you know did the other kids kind of get that you were like a freak golf talent or did they have any perspective on it or were you kind of was it kind of like a secret that you kind of only knew um no i mean our my high school team we were actually really good yeah and um so wesley bryan his brother george played on my high school team but he actually was he was a freshman we had five seniors so he was like our sixth man so and i grew up with wesley bryan and george bryan so i've known them forever so it's kind of but yeah i mean i always i think they knew probably i'll play number one on our team and we had five seniors that were all really good golfers and you know we won state my senior year and I think we won every tournament we we were pretty pretty good but um I think the guys knew that I was pretty good what about the rest of the kids in the school that weren't on the golf team I mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) so for someone that like has has like the financial means that you have I always wanted to know like what is What's like a perfect day for you? Like if you could spend a day doing anything you wanted, what would that look like? Um, perfect day would be hanging with the kids, Paulina, and then probably going out on the boat, fishing, you know, or getting a, getting a dive in. What do you like to fish for? Uh, if I'm fishing... I like to fish for wahoo or or mahi. Um, if I'm diving, yeah, I probably want to. Sh- I'm looking for about the same fish. Does your ideal day involve golf? Or no, golf? <laughs> no, that would not be my ideal day. And then, and then growing up, did you fish a lot? Um, well, I grew up in Columbia, so yeah. I mean, we did you know bass fishing and mm-hmm. stuff, but you know, moving down to Florida. Um, you know, living in South Florida, you know, we do this in the ocean. So a little different, but I still uh, love it and enjoy it. I just like being out on the boat, being out on the water, relaxing. How has, like, the way you would want to spend a perfect day changed over the course of your career? Is that kind of always how you've how you've, how you've viewed, like, a great day off? Well, I mean, it's definitely changed. You know, kids kind of change everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And, you know... It's, you know, having kids has is, is been amazing. And, you know, I'm very fortunate. I got two, two healthy, great kids. So, um, but so that kind of changes your perspective on things. And, you know, for me, you know, probably before kids, perfect day would have been, you know, something a little different than <laughs> hanging with the kids for sure. But, um, but now, yeah, I mean, the only thing, you know, I, I love, obviously, you got to get away from golf. So kind of like my getaway is fishing or, or going on the boat and then, you know, hanging with the kids. Can't beat it. Right. How has having kids, like, changed your routine when it comes to your practice or golf or any like the way you travel or anything like that? Well, I've got a, you know, Paulina is a big help in that where, you know, I don't, I haven't changed really anything, you know, because still you know for me it's my job you know golf is my job so you know that's that's one excuse that I always got that I can get out the house no matter what's going on does it does it feel like a job to you 
Yeah, it does. I mean, the way, you know, as much time as I put in, you know, with going to the gym, you know, practicing, you know, traveling, playing golf, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's a job. It's a full-time job for sure. Just over a year ago, Callaway debuted their revolutionary ball speed technology, jailbreak, in their epic drivers, and golfers everywhere immediately noticed unbelievable gains, and as a result, Callaway has been the number one selling driver for the last 13 months and counting. This year, of course, Callaway unveiled their all-new Rogue Drivers with enhanced jailbreak for incredible distance and new, even more forgiving head shapes. They let you choose from one of three options, the Rogue Standard, which is a 460cc head that will benefit a wide wide range of players, and also the Rogue Sub-Zero for golfers seeking extreme low spin in a tour-level shape. And lastly, the Rogue Draw for golfers who struggle with a slice and need every bit of draw-promoting technology there is. And if that wasn't enough for the first time ever, the new Rogue Fairway Woods and Hybrids feature, feature jailbreak. I just tried mine out for the first time today. Uh, I'm in love with it. Experience jailbreak for yourself in the new Rogue Woods available in stores and online. Go to callawaygolf.com slash jailbreak for tech break aparts, shaft options, videos, and photos. That's callawaygolf.com slash jailbreak from Callaway, the number one driver, number one fairway wood, and hybrid in golf. Let's get back to the pod. I was wondering, like, whenever you're on TV, the, t- the two things I always talk about, they, the one thing I say is you can dunk a basketball and that you use TrackMan a lot. So obviously we know you can you can jump. But what are your what are you else are you skilled at? Like do you have a jump shot or anything outside yeah, of basketball can, too? Like no, what I can stroke it, What else right? are you skilled at? <laughs> um, are you one of those guys that's like good at everything? Are you good at bowling, <gasps> like ping pong, all everything? You could say yes. It's okay. <laughs> He's trying not to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> um I feel like I'm pretty skilled in most things. Yeah. Yes. Do you, are you competitive? Like do you want to beat everyone's Absolutely. ass? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. That's why you don't give up any strokes on the no. golf course. No, it doesn't matter what I'm playing. If I'm good at it or not, I, I want to win. And I'm going to try my best. So going back to the track, man, is that is that kind of one of the values that that brings is you're you're almost competing against yourself to, to you know, like if you want to hit a ball 95.5 yards or 96 yards, like you know exactly. Well, I don't get that. <laughs> That's what we want That's to know. A yeah. little, little extreme, but no, I mean, yeah, I I do when I'm practicing. So like with TrackMan, I I strictly just have it on carry, um, and normalize, and you know, like whatever temperature, like eighty degrees or something. So I just leave it on the same like mm-hmm. all the time, no matter where I'm at. So, um, and then because you can always adjust for. You know, some you know when it gets hot and it's yeah. you know the ball might go a little further or cold, it goes shorter. But when I'm practicing, I just have it on carry, and yeah, I mean I'm trying to hit a specific number, so it'd be 85, 95, 105, whatever it is. I'm trying to hit that number, and and if I'm within a couple yards, you know, if it's you know 104 or 106, you know that's a pretty good shot. So. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so when you travel Agreed. with it, is it an obligation? Because every, every time, like, we always joke with Matthew Fitzpatrick about this. Or, like, everybody that you see that works with a track man, like, carries their track man around with like, them. Nobody puts it in a bag. <laughs> like, it's, oh, no, mine's in a bag. Yeah. Everyone always, like, yeah. is carried around. It looks so goofy. Like, we were in the no, Atlanta airport always put it in a month suitcase. ago, and Stu Sink's just walking around with his track man. <laughs> and Charles Barkley's sitting there like, Stu, what are you doing, man? <laughs> No, no, I put mine in, in my travel bag. 
I don't carry it. Okay. So, but I also too, I probably should because I just had to send it back a few weeks ago because it got cracked from being in my suitcase. But <laughs> there you have it. There you really have it. Yeah. Your jack so that's probably why and they're, yeah. they're fairly expensive. So you know, it's probably smart to carry it, and I'm pretty sure that's why they do. But yeah, either I wouldn't carry it. I'd make my brother. <laughs> How uh, how do you guys work together on the golf course, and how has that changed? He's been on the bag for a couple of years now, right? Um, it's been three, four five years, years. Five years. What was uh, what was he like when he first started? Um, well, I mean, he's always played golf, so yeah. it's not like he was clue- he a good player. It's not like he was clueless, but pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> it's different. He still is. So. No, no, it's good. I mean. For me to be able to share all these experiences with my brother and, you know, to have him, you know, be there with me is, you know, it's amazing. And, you know, we work very well together. And so, you know, it's been, it's been unbelievable having him on the bag. How's his game? He's good. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty solid, probably three or four handicap. Do you have a favorite like memory of like an instance where when he's going through the growing pains of becoming a caddy or a famous screw up that he had that you like to joke him or jab him with oh the, the <laughs> list is way too long <laughs> i remember him uh was he didn't he drop the ball in the water or something i remember that oh no, that was that was actually my fault it, it, <laughs> oh that's good it okay. fell out of my pocket and, and and hit my foot and went into the water but he did jump down and get it that's where it was, was this yeah, yeah that's what it was. a tpc yeah that's well, number great. four. <laughs> what about that President's Cup story? Uh, the Green Book. Well, that's that's why I heard a story. I don't know if it's true <laughs> or not. About it probably is a, a money match, and you guys at the last hole, and you know it was a putt obviously going left to right or something, and you guys started it right of the hole, and someone was like, "Oh, I had the Green's Book upside down." No, that wasn't me. <laughs> so that one actually isn't true. Okay, well, good. Well, there you have it. Well, so that actually but gets... I wouldn't doubt it if <laughs> my brother was looking at the Greensboro yeah. upside down. That, maybe that's, that maybe that's what it was. for sure. <laughs> well, that brings up another thing. I mean, do you like? Do you read a lot of stuff about yourself? And, and no. Do you pay like attention to what Zero. people say about you? Zero. No. Has it always been that way? Or have you like kind of just learned to brush it off? No, I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. That's... That's fantastic. I mean, but, but why? It's nothing right. like, for me, I mean, people are going to say, obviously, a lot of people have very good things to say, but, you know, there's always people that don't, and that's okay. Everyone's got their own opinion, yeah. but I just don't pay attention to it because it, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I, I got I got my family and my friends, and, you know, I care what they think, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Along that same vein, like, and I think you, you may have just touched on it there, but like, what are the things in life you say you are passionate about, you do care about? Um, I mean, obviously family, family, friends, and then, you know, for me, like, my, my passion is, you know, like, I really want to grow the game, and, you know, with junior golf, you know, obviously you guys are up here at my junior tournament, um, you know, that's something I'm very passionate about, I, I really, you know, enjoy you know, helping junior golf. So I, I helped the South Carolina Junior Golf Association, you know, and then obviously hosting this tournament. You know, anything I can do that involves kids and golf is something that, you know, I'm passionate about. When you, uh, when you think about Oakmont, what do, you rem- what do you remember the most about that week? Um, well, there's a lot of things. But um, 
you know, probably the first thing that comes into my mind would be like the you know the 18th hole, um, you know, coming down the 18th hole with you know with the lead and a, and a majors, and you know the sh- the two shots I hit. Um, I'm on record as saying those are two of the greatest golf shots ever struck. <laughs> Tron goes oh. further to say that you're if you measure just by those two shots, you might be the best golfer of all time <laughs> over a two over a two shot stretch. Perfect. <laughs> There, there were two pretty good ones. Um, I don't want them back, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was what a week, though. You know, a lot of stuff to, you know, especially on Sunday, you know, with the the penalty um, that I still don't believe I deserved. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone yeah. really believes you deserved that. No. Were you pissed when that happened, or were you – I mean, what is – Actually, I, I really wasn't because – the fact the the reason I wasn't is because I believed the whole time that I was never going to get a penalty because I'm like, I did not do anything right. to deserve a penalty. You know, if I would have made the ball move or if I would have done okay, I'd take my penalty and keep going. But even you know when there, I guess there was all the controversy, was I going to get a penalty? Was I not? You know. The whole time for me, I believed that I wasn't going to get one. So right. that's why it didn't And you can't me. control it either way. Right. Right. You can't control it either way. But at the end of the day, I was like, there's no way I'm getting a penalty. So I just kept going. So was there like a bit of an FU while you're playing that last hole? Like when you stuffed that? It, watching on no, TV, like we I were mean, all it was, pissed. It was more, you know, so after, obviously after we're all done, we're in the, you know, in the, we go in the scorer's tent, then we go into another little side room or something with it's me and Westwood and Austin and Billy. And we're all in there with I don't even know who the USGA officials were. But you know, we're sitting there and looking at the video and Westwood, Billy, me, AJ, everyone's like Okay. <laughs> like, what, what, do you what happened? Like, what, where's the penalty? But, you know, we are in there for a little while, and, and finally I was just like, just give me the penalty. Let's go, because it doesn't matter. I won. So so they wanted to give you the penalty. They kept pushing oh, yeah, towards that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I was tired of arguing, so I just wanted to get the trophy. So I'm like, I just gave up. <laughs> so what would have happened if, it was a, if you won by one? I would still be there <laughs> because, yeah, it wouldn't have. Was there ever an apology issued by anyone there or they, I mean, about the way it was handled no, or I anything mean, like that? Would, you know, no matter what, it's, it's, it's a tough situation for everyone. So yeah. it's, you know, it's fortunately it worked out where it didn't matter. You know, I think that that helped everyone. And, and, you know, because if it would have been a situation where, you know, it could have cost me the tournament. I think it would have. Yeah, we'd still be there arguing for yeah. sure. Did you draw upon? Like, I mean, I know this is probably your next question, Solly. But you know, looking back to 2010 at Pebble, and then uh, Chambers Bay, obviously, and then um, Whistling Straits as well. Like, did we you buttered find you up yourself first with the wind. Drawing <laughs> upon those experiences. Yeah, no, all, all the experiences that I've had, they all, you know. I tried, you know, whether I've done well or whether I've not done well. You know, I try to, you know, I I go through with whoever that you know my team and 
you know, try to figure out, you know, what happened and try to learn, you know, learn from every situation, whether it was good or bad. And so, yeah, those situations 100% helped me. Um, you know, Pebble, you know, struggling there, you know, I I learned a lot about myself in that, in that you know, moment in time or, you know, in that round of golf. So what, that day, did you just show up and just not have it? Like, did you know on the first tee that? No, I mean, it, there was a, no, I, I started the first hole, I hit two good shots, made an easy four, two where I made a absolute debacle of the hole, but <laughs> I smashed a drive right down the middle of the fairway and I just, you know, I hit a, my wet, I had a wedge in the two. It was, you know, I was perfect and just hit it a little thin and it got hung up in the, you know, in the tall grass above the bunker. Um, and even after that, you know, I still was, you know, I still was fine. I mean, it wasn't like I would, you know, completely, you know, took myself out of the mm-hmm. tournament, but it was, it was more, you know, kind of, I learned, like I started going through things really fast after that hole, um, you know, decisions, you know, my routine got really fast, everything got really fast. And even still making the turn to the back nine after I, what I tripled two and doubled three, like I still had a chance to win, you know, mm-hmm. making the turn going to the back nine of, you know, on Sunday, like I was still right in the golf tournament, but I just didn't, you know, I just, I learned, you know, obviously looking back at it that, you know, I was just obviously those situations that happened early kind of changed my mentality and the way I was going about, you know, things. I just started going really fast and, you know, so I struggled. But it was the first time I'd been in that situation, so it, you know, wasn't like it was, you know, something that was. Uh, you got to go through that almost right. to get yeah. it. Yeah. So it, it was fine. But then later that year, I had it was at, I think at the PGA Whistling Straits. Yeah, at Whistling Straits. I mean, I, you know, in the same situation again. You know, I'm in the last group on Sunday of a major. I'm. And actually, I played really well. Right. But you know, I but I knew from Pebble, so I just I made sure that day that I took everything. You know, I tried to be extra slow, even though I probably wasn't. But to me, <laughs> I was, yeah. to me, I was doing. I I went through. You know, I felt like I was walking really slow. Like I did everything. You know, I just made yeah. sure that. Just being like extra and I played really well, and then you know, unfortunately, I had the the penalty of the sand trap. Um, Do you think that was I still right don't believe it's <laughs> alleged sand trap. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a beautiful bunker out there. <laughs> Do you, how how thankful are you that you missed that putt on eighteen? I mean, I didn't want to miss it, but yeah, <laughs> looking back it, now, yeah, looking back at it, yeah, it's probably. That would have been horrible if you fist pumped that you had won and then they came and took it away from you. That would have been. Yeah, that would have been kind of bad. But, um, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I right. got the penalty. It happens. Um, Which of your of your close calls would you say like hurt the most? Which one bothered you the most? Um, they don't bother you? No. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's golf. It's a game. You know, 
you you lose a lot more times than you win in this sport. I mean, it's just, well, it's just how it goes. Focus that energy on the. So I just try. I mean, for me, I, I try to take any positives I can out of any situation. Like I said, whether it's good or bad, and and move on. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's already over with. So, um, you know, you got to move on. You can't change anything that's happened in the past. Yeah. You can only, you know move forward what element of your game are you most proud of obviously people talk about your distance all the time but um well for me probably you know improving my wedge game is something that you know i'm pretty proud of and um and that's really just from you know getting a track man and practicing is you know how i improved it when you uh thinking back to your sophomore year at coastal carolina were you i mean is that when the light went off from a practice perspective and then there was was there another light that kind of went off after you'd been on tour for a few years or was it like how did that really come about as far as your practice habits and everything when did you um, really buckle down I, was it I never have <laughs> <laughs> um i hate practicing <laughs> uh, I really, really do. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like it do you um, just go play I do. I play a lot, yeah. And then if I practice, like I'll go practice and I'll like, you know, but I'll do like an hour of like really focused, you know, practice and then I'll leave. Because the worst thing you can do is just go and, you know, practice. Aimlessly bang balls. Yeah, no focus, no – for me, that's the worst thing I can do. Um, So like I'll, you know, kind of make a a practice schedule or, you know, I'll go putt for, you know – 20 or 30 minutes and then i'll go hit balls for you know 45 or an hour Mm -hmm. and then leave or i'll go or i'll go play so i'd like to play that's what i you know usually do for my practice so there's no course in the world that's that's too long for you what makes you what's what makes you uncomfortable when standing on a tee box it's not distance uncomfortable um like to say I don't get uncomfortable on tees, but you know, there's always, I guess, I guess it depends on the hole. I mean, there's some holes that you know every golfer has. You know, some holes you like, some holes you don't like. Um, Is there a hole that sticks out in your mind that you're thinking of right now? No, no. <laughs> I like all the holes. <laughs> What's your favorite stop on tour? Uh, from a for a regular tour yeah. stop, Riv would be my favorite. You know, that golf course is, uh, I think it's just, I think it's a great golf course. Um, no trouble, really, I guess, except for number 12. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just a really good, straightforward, tough golf course. As far as number 10 out there, do you always do you always just bang one kind of long left yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, that whole, you know, for, it's one of probably the shortest par four on tour, but, you know, it's one of the more difficult ones. But I think it's an unbelievable golf hole. I mean, there's really no good way to play it unless you can hit it on the front left of the green, which is pretty hard to do. But um, I just think it's a lot of fun to play. When you're when you're working on whether it's a swing thing or, you know, anything like technical, I guess how technical do you get? And the reason I ask is like one of my favorite videos online is of you. It's probably – 12 years ago 10 years ago something and it's it's about hitting a fade and you, your instruction is basically like 
you know, remember when you're hitting hitting a fade, you got to make sure you fade it. <laughs> and I'm and I'm yeah, watching. Well, the most important thing about hitting a fade is making sure it fades. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Can't argue that. And I can't it's tell you. It's simple, but it's not easy. As a golf like a golfer, how frustrated that makes me to hear someone say that. And I'm like, I'm like and so that's what I'm curious. You know, when you like when you're working on something technical like your swing path your you know whatever like how technical do you get or is it all just kind of mental and feel and and that kind of stuff um yeah i don't i don't i try not to get too technical with with anything in in golf um you know for me it's yeah it's more feel but i i do i know my swing very well like you know i'm i'm very knowledgeable about the golf swing i know but i just try not to get too technical of like you know positions you know i don't know some people what is it, like p1 and p2 I, I don't even know what that is but <laughs> um so i don't get technical um you know i know my feels and i know like i'll look at my swing on video and you know I'll, I'll change things if i need to but you know i just don't get like real technical in the thought process of how to do it did anybody ever try to change your swing i mean obviously it's well documented it's unorthodox <laughs> but anybody ever try to straighten anything out or anything like that no never um, you know the one of the first the first day that i went and worked with butch we went and sat in his office and he's like you know not gonna change you know your your swing we're just gonna make it a little bit better you know he's like i could change it but he's like if i do no one's gonna know who you are i think it's working all right <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it gets the job done yeah. sometimes. <laughs> What's uh, What would you say is like a, a misnomer about you or a misconception about you? You may not know because you don't read anything about you, but did I walk right into that one? What? <laughs> Just the, Yeah, you, you can't know what a misconception is if you're not listening to what other people are saying, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, we heard a story and want to ask, want to ask if this is true. It's about Adidas and how they... You want to you want to walk us yeah, through Yeah, so Adidas basically gives all their athletes regardless of sport what's essentially like their version of a wonderlick test, kind of like what they give at the NFL combine. But it you know, basically measures like confidence and kind of, you know, Problem behavior under pressure, under pressure and, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And allegedly you got the highest score of anybody they've ever given it to. Does that sound right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> Inconclusive. Uh, yeah, it sounds great. Do you remember taking the test? No. <laughs> but that's that's not saying I didn't. I probably did. I just my memory's terrible. <laughs> What's your favorite like your go to fast food? Um it depends on where I'm at, but Chick fil A is one of them. I'm in South Carolina, Bojangles. There's one right up the street here. I'm gonna have <laughs> we to saw that. that. Yeah. <laughs> how much time Cajun do you spend in LA? Biscuit. Like, how much time do you spend out of 52 weeks a year? How much are you in LA? Um, we're usually out there like December, January, February. Okay. Um, we just travel. Obviously, we, you know, Paulina's family being out there. So, you know, we're on the West Coast the first part of the year. So we kind of. You know, just kind of base out of there. Uh, 2007 Walker Cup. Yes. Was that kind of your first first uh, entree into international golf? 
Was it what Royal County Down, right? Yeah, we played uh, in the 07 Walker Cup. Yeah, we played at County Down. Um, no, the first time I the first time I played over there was actually in college. We played the we played a a golf tournament over in St Andrews. Okay, and that was a pretty ridiculous team you guys had. We were pretty good. <laughs> I think everybody on our everybody from our team is is on tour other than, you know, little Trip Keeney, he was, you know, he's an am mm-hmm. still, but, and then Jonathan Moore, I think he's playing Asian tour, but all the other guys are on the PGA tour. So yeah, we were pretty, we were pretty stacked. They've written, like there's books about that writer, that, that Walker Cup that have been written. We're convinced that that Walker Cup team could, could have beat the 2006 Ryder Cup team. <laughs> Probably been a good um, the guys are pretty good, and and then you know, for me it was so I played with Colt Nost, and the we were the first match out. Big gravy. Yeah, I call him Bolt because he's so fast. <laughs> um, so we're playing McElroy, and you know we hit it down the first hole, and Colt's laughing at me because I was. You know, on the tee, I think I teed off. I hit my ball was in the air before the guy got done announcing my name because I was so nervous. I didn't even know what was going on, but I'd sent it flying. He wasn't even done. He wasn't even done announcing me. And then he gets over because we're playing alternate shot. So he gets over to hit the second shot. And at the Walker Cup, they you know walk down the fairway with the with the groups like the crowd does. And so he's over the shot, and all you can hear is all the people's footsteps. So there was probably 5,000 people watching our group because McElroy was playing with us. And he had to back off a couple times, so it was pretty funny. Um, so I was giving him, I was giving it to him the whole way up the, <laughs> whole way up to the green. As far as pace of play goes, is that something that, I mean, you like to play pretty fast. Our pace of play is, is pretty slow. Um, I mean, for me, I've I've definitely slowed down, you know, over the years. But I think that's you know it's a it's a learned habit that I've I've had mm-hmm. to slow down just because it is very slow, um, and you know it's something that I've had to learn and you know just to you know take my time and because we're not going anywhere. I mean, there's yeah, you know, it's just the pace of play is slow. It's just, but it always is. It's not like it's. You know, one week's different than the next. So, well, well, a couple of weeks ago at Pebble, it seemed like it was. I mean, it was like crazy slow. Sunday was Sunday at Pebble. Yes, was very very slow. I don't. The broadcast know was why, commenting but it that was, it was bothering you. Was that accurate? No, I mean this is something you're used to. But yeah, it was just they just had so many so many guys made the cut. There was just so many players on the golf course. So it was um, you know, it was just one of those things where. You know, it was just nothing they could do. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your foundation, how how it came came to be, what was the reasoning behind the ultimate purpose of it, and and what we're doing here this week. Um. Well, I started it. You know, really, I started it just because you know when you play on the Presidents Cup team and Ryder Cup teams, you get you know they give you money to go towards a foundation, and so I. You know, I started my own just, uh, you know, and kind of started with giving back to, you know, just local places around here in Myrtle Beach. And then, um, you know, and obviously as I grew and, you know, 
um, the foundation grew. We, you know, we kind of tried to morph it into something, um, you know, a little more. You know, we're we're involved with junior golf. Is pretty much what we what we do. Is you know anything to, you know, kind of help grow the game and you know help juniors get involved with the game of golf or, you know, put on like this junior tournament to have elite players come in and play. For the people that are listening that don't know who Alan is, what what kind of impact has he had on in your life, and does he have with the foundation? Uh, well, for sure, I, I wouldn't be on tour if it wasn't for Coach Cheryl. Um, you know, he kind of he definitely helped me, you know, become the player that I am. And you know, going to college at Coastal and playing for Coach Cheryl during college, like during my you know time at Coastal. Our relationship was probably a little. It was a little rocky. It was a love-hate relationship. We're we're definitely a lot lot closer now than we were when we were in college. But that was because I made his job very hard. He's gotten nicer with that answer, actually. He used to just call me an asshole. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. He, he got softer way. as he got older, though, for sure. He got tougher. Maybe true. But when we were in college, he was a hard ass. How so? For sh- not with everything. Just like, discipline. Was he popping in your classes? No. Well, he that that wouldn't have been good, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I might not have been there. <laughs> um, no, just no. He was tough, but he was in a good way. I mean, he was you know he he kind of he made you do the right things and but. And he was, you know, if you messed up, you you got punished for it. <laughs> and it was not fun. What were the punishments like? It was workout related, but, you know, it was either running or, oh, man, we did all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, yeah, usually it was on the track, though. And you were you were hugging a trash can at the end of it. How did, uh, how did young Dustin handle the discipline? I mean, some of that's overblown (laughs) is he being dramatic no No, he's accurate um you know it's not i didn't those guys thought i enjoyed that stuff i i hated it you know it's it's like being a parent and and dustin obviously is going to be going through that and having the discipline they're not my children i mean i wasn't much older still not but you don't enjoy it um but there has to be some accountability or you're a fake so, if you say to do something and someone doesn't and you don't have some consistency, I was probably a little more tough with how we did things. Um, but with the, I will say, though, we definitely deserved everything we got, for sure. He, he was on a fun team. Like, the guys he played with, they're, they're awesome. A lot of personality, um, not a lot of structure. How I long have you been there? when he showed up five five years so, oh, okay. so yeah, yeah. i was i was young i didn't know what the hell i was doing um i mean i look back on my coaching years which i could you know we all do as golf instructors wish i could have took that window back in my life how many people did i screw up um but uh, you know it worked out dustin dustin was more mature than most of the guys not a disrespect to them but he he took responsibility in that he didn't complain when he had to do maybe a little extra work. Um, 
that's one thing Dustin's awesome at is he takes responsibility um, for his actions. Um, you know, good actions are bad actions. He's where most people blame everyone else, and he's never been that guy. What? Uh, tell me about the first time you ever met Dustin, or first time. <laughs> it was uh, two different versions. <laughs> I don't know who should go first. You're gonna lie. Uh, no, you go. No, it was. Uh, it was an interesting. It, it wasn't a kind of a straightforward recruiting process, but uh, it was what a, at a Mex- was, at Burro Loco. Yeah, he was, was down, down on vacay with AJ, I think. Party. So in high school, like you know, when you get out, so like the first week of summer, with everyone you know from Columbia, like all the high schools, everyone would come to Myrtle Beach to party do what you do yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's first week so we come vacation and i called coach terrell because i drove i actually drove by coastal when i was on the way down here i'm like oh that school would be fun to go to called him sent him my resume and he called me like the next day it's like hey you want to meet for lunch sure <laughs> and then i don't know you gotta you gotta finish that. there was some yeah i wasn't sure he, he was gonna go play college golf um you know he comes from a long line of game cockers um and you know back then coastal you know it was clemson or not in this order it was south carolina clemson and then nobody you know coastal was still growing so usually you don't get those guys um and he had took a gap year um as well um from high school and his grandmother contacted me because she was retiring to the area. And then he just happened to be down. And I don't remember the whole context. His memory's better than mine. But we met at uh, at El Burro Loco, uh, I think, yeah. and just had lunch. And, uh, and the rest is he was in summer attire. <laughs> T-shirt, flops, hat on backwards. I'm like, maybe not the outfit I would have picked to meet a potential coach for the first time but after my first year of coaching that was nothing so and you really saw the light go off between freshman and sophomore year kind of yeah. well the freshman year is my fault more than his I mean I could have did a better job helping him get more acclimated um, to college and structure you know when you're young you're not as willing to flex because you think you know everything. So, you know, if I had it going back, I would have probably – his first year was more my fault. So, But, you know, his sophomore year, I'd say he played – he had a great sophomore year. Didn't uh, – almost in contention every tournament. And then it really – he just took it to a different level uh, at regionals at uh, Golf Club of Tennessee. And uh, it's a, you know, you can talk about it all the time, but he actually got off to a crappy start. He hit it. Ten's kind of a goofy par three it's not, with water. It's, I, I was trying to help you out with that one. He, he hit a terrible on the shot. Right and made double bogey on the first hole of the tournament. Yeah, it's not goofy. I was just trying to. <laughs> it was it was a god-awful shot. I, yeah. So he, he dubs the first and. And, uh, you know, we were we weren't off to a great start. And then he knocked it on a five and two and had a pretty long eagle putt. 
and then the weather delay went off and then uh, he went back out and uh, made the eagle and um, honestly he hasn't stopped winning since like that's not that putt didn't have i mean he is a hell of a lot better putter in college than he is now no offense but um but yeah especially long putts he made so many long putts in college but he knocks that eagle putt and then he birdies the next five and that was the first time i mean i knew he was good you're like whoa but that was the first time i'm like jesus i mean like just yeah and of course isn't easy i mean it wasn't an easy golf course but he just threw it in another gear and the guy hasn't stopped you know that was 2000 uh, five, two thousand five, I believe. Um, and then he went on and made All American that year, and then first team the next two years, and was probably runner up player of the year a senior year. Do you think your putting gets a bit underappreciated just because of how far you hit it? Um, I mean, you don't pay pro- attention to what people say. Probably no. I mean, well, putting. I mean, for. For guys on tour, or like for me, I mean, it's you know, if I putt well, generally I I win. You know, it's not, you know, it's no, it's not really too scientific. I mean, it just happens. If you look at the guys who win every week, they usually lead in, in putting stats, or they're in the top two or three, mm-hmm. for sure. So, you know, so for me, I mean, yeah, it's all about putting. I mean, it's you know, if I putt well, I'm gonna have a really good week so after you graduated from coastal like was it was it was it just like all right i'm, I'm gonna go to key school and i mean really since since you went to key school like you you won your first year and then in the walker every cup single, yeah yeah i think that's cool year. that people don't appreciate about him is he could have turned pro and got sponsors exemptions mm-hmm. that summer and you know like him and kirky they were both seniors chris kirk and because, you know, they really appreciate the fact this is the last time they could represent the United States of America as an amateur. Yeah, he turned, I mean, it actually cost him a little money um, to wait. But he waited till September for Northern Ireland. Um, and really was behind a lot of the other guys. Because he had to come straight back and go to first stage. Yeah. Right, right back. Because yeah. Walker Cup, you get through pre-qualifying. You don't have to do pre. So... You know, I think that's a story people don't talk about. I mean, that's how, you know, so when he puts on those, you know, stars and stripes, it really means something to these guys. And uh, I was really proud of him for well, that. I was obviously making the team is, is you know, is special. I mean, it's, it's something I was very proud of. So, you know, and so, I, yeah, I waited. To, I wanted to play and represent our country. Um you know, in the Walker Cup, so it was something that you know I really wanted to do. So I waited to turn pro till afterwards. Um, you know, and played you know amateur golf that whole summer, which was you know. I love the fact that you won the Northeast Am at Wanamoisa. That's yeah. such a cool course. Oh, it's a great golf course. Yeah. And I honestly, I I did not think I had any chance to win that golf tournament when I teed up on Sunday. Um, Why? Because I well, because I think it was. Like I think Billy. I don't know. I, I think Billy Horschel and Jared Texter. I think that's, I think they were. They were like seven shots. They were tied for the lead. They were like seven shots in front of me, but 
I was in the second to last group. Like they were the last group. I was right in front of them. Me and I think me and Kirk. Or no, I was playing with Kyle Stanley. And they had like a seven shot lead on on me and Kyle. We were tied. And so I'm like, you know, I did. I just didn't think I had any shot. Oh. You said send it. <laughs> no, I didn't even. It was really windy. The golf course got firm. You know, it was playing really t- tough. I mean, I was like even par through eight holes, you know, just playing, you know, just solid. And I think Kyle was one under through eight. And the course, you know, it kind of zigzags. So, like, you know, you going down one hole and then – so they were on like seven, coming up seven. I look at their signboard, like I had to like double take at it because – I was, or Kyle was actually leading the tournament, and I was one behind Kyle. I'm like, wait a minute, what happened? I got, they got off to a bad start, I mm-hmm. guess, and so we were, you know, I was like, okay, I, I can win this tournament. And so, and then, you know, then it was kind of me and Kyle, and um, going down, I remember I made a few birdies. I was playing, you know, pretty solid, and got to 17, par 5, and... I jacked one out of bounds, and um, but then I, I birdied the next ball and parted the last hole and got you know one by one. But you know it was but literally teeing off that day, I had no idea that I would even have a chance to win. Do you have like a photographic memory when it comes to golf? Like you're you're recalling golf shots from your amateur days, pretty, well, pretty specifically. I, I don't remember any shots other than the one I hit out of bounds, but <laughs> I do remember the 18th hole actually. I'm pretty good golf memory you know as far as remembering stuff but you know occasion some shots i can remember i can't remember like the whole round so alan how did your guys relationship kind of evolve after his college days and you guys stayed very close immediately after that was or how did what was the timeline like there yeah i mean i think it probably still evolving um you know he's technically my boss now um any revenge? Any any revenge for the old training sessions that no, mix it? <laughs> no, he just gives me crap every chance he gets asked that question, which I'm sure he's tired of getting asked the question. But uh, you know, our I think probably our senior year, um, I took a little bit of role in helping him filter some agents and helped him with his, some contracts and kind of help put him in position um, to meet some people that would be offering the contracts um so our business role kind of turned more into maybe a little bit of advising um and then and then he he still lived here so he practiced here so i'd help him if he needed it um and then i went to q school went to second and final with him q school um his dad caddied for him the whole qualifying, which was a lot of golf. Um, and that was the old days, you know. It was down at Orange County. Yeah, in Orlando. Those big golf courses, which was perfect for him. He was driving par fours, and people didn't know what to think. But it's probably the first time I saw him kind of nervous a little bit. Uh, the the last hole of Q School was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my life. And he, he piped it. Um, I did hit a good drive. So you knew exactly where you stood. But he was yep. way under, but everything's tight. Well, you got, 
I was, and then I I three putted three times on the back nine. Yeah, um, late. Yeah, I don't. I, and I don't know eighteen what. wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy hole. I had and two he, really good shots yeah. in eighteen. Seems and to be a, a when that trend. ball <laughs> that ball hit the green. Uh, the Taylor made guy and I started celebrating because that's that was a pretty big big moment because um, he hit the trifecta you know the contracts are up front loaded and when you get out there based on how much you make and he just hit a slam dunk you know, right away and he's one of the few that went straight through what's a story that best sums up Dustin oh I don't think there's one <laughs> uh, I don't know I don't think that story's uh out there yet. Yeah. Um, you know, I always say people don't see how good of a guy he is because, I mean, he's pretty stoic when he's playing. Um, that's his personality. I mean, he talks and has a good time. It's not like he's one of the introverts out there. But uh, I wish uh, I wish people would get to see how generous he is. Um, and obviously we're here with this tournament that he helps support. Do you still get nervous? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if, you know, if, if you don't, then it doesn't mean anything to you. So, you know, I care about playing well and, and winning golf tournaments. So, I mean, I get nervous. Not not in a bad way, uh, but, you know, it means something to me. So, yeah, I mean, I'm nervous every day. I step up on the first tee. Ryder Cup, is it? Oh, we were going to get through a whole no a whole episode without a rider. No, not a chance. Was it? Was there like are the nerves that much different when you teed up in the rider cup? Yeah, it's completely different though. Like, it, yeah, um, I remember, you know, my first rider cup at at Celtic Manor. Um, I'm playing with Phil. I think we're out. We're the first match out and the first tee. It wasn't, singing songs it and wasn't a driver hole, but there was no chance I was hitting anything on that driver because I would have missed the ball if I hit a, a smaller club. I was, I mean, I literally was was so nervous, and uh, but after I got off the first tee, I, I calmed down a little bit. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's completely different though compared to like you know when I'm playing just. You know, on a regular tour event, I'm playing just for myself. So, you know, you know, I'm not out there representing my country and, and you know, everyone else. You know, I'm playing for a team. Um, you know, it's a whole different kind of uh, kind of nervousness. What's your best Phil story that you can tell on a podcast? <laughs> I don't know. We, I mean, you know, me and Phil are, are really good friends, and you know enjoy playing you know together but um, we definitely realized in that first Ryder Cup that we were not good teammates why is that I can answer <laughs> um, we like playing against each other Too but, but yeah we just didn't didn't mesh well um, as as teammates just the way the way we approach the game and the way we do things is just different and they just didn't mesh like we as people mesh like i mean we're good we're good buddies but um just our golf games and the way 
the way he analyzes stuff did did not help me at all. <laughs> Phil Phil's got a you know a stronger personality. Dustin's a little more low keyed. Um, sometimes I think Phil takes that as Dustin is wanting his advice, <laughs> and that's not the case. So uh, he was reading every putt to the oh, centimeter. God. And it was it was the worst have, thing I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't have made it in a five gallon bucket. It was, <laughs> it so was he didn't hit the hole for y'all weren't out there very long. Oh, I don't I don't even I don't even know what was but I didn't I didn't make a putt till You played Keimer in the singles. Yeah. And that was and I still didn't make one till like about number seven, but then I went on a little tear of I think I birdied like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve or something. <laughs> did you did you even know that like it, golf was capable of being played in that calculative way until you p- played that with Phil? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> I remember. So I got a. I was playing at Augusta practice round. It was me and Phil and Bryson, DeChambeau. And we were walking up the third hole, and I'm listening to these guys, and my head hurt so bad. I had the worst headache from listening to these guys talk about golf and analyzing every single. I was like, I started walking down the other side of the fairway for the rest of the day. You had to know what you were getting into playing. With I had no idea. I just, that was the first time I met Bryson. Um, but yeah, it was very interesting. We have very, we have very different takes on how to approach the game of golf for sure um we're probably running short on time here wanted to ask you a couple have you ever played golf with steve spurrier have not i'm not okay you still you're still a big big game cox fan oh coach Spur- yeah actually i have played with coach Spurrier. okay yeah i played uh where did we play we played Monday after the, what after the masters yeah we played we played a couple times with coach okay Spurrier. he takes it seriously Really? He likes – yeah, he loves golf. He can play a little bit too. Do you follow Coastal Carolina football these days still? I'd, I'd check in. Check you got in that Joe Mowgli, a guy killing it there. He's like the former, what, CEO of yeah, Ameritrade. TD Ameritrade or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, no, our, our football team's done pretty well the last last few years, so – it's good. I mean, I always, always follow uh, or try to keep track a little bit of, of Coastal Carolina sports. All right, I think we'll wrap it at that. We took way longer than we were planning yeah. to, but too many good stories. So, okay. DJ, appreciate the time. Thanks for having us out this week, and uh, best of luck with the rest of the season and the foundation and everything. Alan, thank you as well. Yeah, That's my so pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, yeah. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different?